Well, good morning. We are grateful for your presence. It is always a privilege to be uh, together with the people of God, to be able to assemble together. And we were looking forward to a great day together. The rain might have dampened that just a little bit, um, but we're thankful for the opportunity to be here and hope that you'll be back with us again at 1.30 for our service. If you can stay with us for lunch, today's a great day uh, just to stay in and, and be here all afternoon with us. Uh, we're thankful for the opportunity that presents. You know, over the last few weeks, there have been lots of uh, complaints about uh, trying to stay awake through the second service. You know, lots of full bellies. It gets a little warm in here. Uh, but I knew the time was coming where I think this is one of those days where the challenge in the first service is going to be that smell wafting through those doors of ham and casserole and all those things. So we'll try to uh, get through everything here and enjoy some time of fellowship together. Uh, a couple of, of notes, so one as far as our leaf raking that the, the teens are supposed to today, we'll get together after our service, many of you stay for our lunch anyways and talk about alternative plans possibly for this afternoon, we'll just have to see uh, how the weather goes the next little bit. Uh, also, let me mention a couple of our other extracurricular activities. Uh, one, as far as next Saturday morning, or this coming Saturday morning, is supposed to be our breakfast. And just to mention again, if you are planning to be a part of that, you need to get that uh, money, that $10 uh, per plate to Hannah today so that we can get with those who are providing the food and get them a count, and we can have all that ready sometime this week. So if you're interested in coming next Saturday morning, uh, we continue to remind you that's just a, a chance to be together, uh, fellowship with some breakfast and a meal, and also uh, some entertainment will go along with that. Just have some time enjoying being together. Uh, we had a good time Friday night as well for those who were able to be at the Browns. Uh, if you were sitting in your pew before services started and you saw the announcements going, there was a picture of my cousin up there. Somebody looks a lot like me, much longer hair, um, but that uh, was my cousin. We had a great uh, game show host Friday night. Uh, we played a version, we called it the not-so-newlywed game, uh, and we learned that the Richies are above all. They are the best at uh, knowing each other. Uh, Janice and Ricky were able to come, and we had a good time with them and enjoyed laughing and, and fellowship there. So there are a few uh, pictures that are floating around of that night, but we had a good time there. And as Jerry prayed, we continue to, to ask you, even as we began talking on Wednesday night, about our opportunities to be together, especially for worship, but also for the times of encouragement, the times of fellowship that we have, the fun that we have. That's a big part of it as well as we strive to be a family and be the best uh, family we can be here encouraging one another in all things in life uh, as we try to get to heaven. When you think about the idea of celebrating, we love to celebrate here. I mean, that goes through for a lot of different things. Uh, I know many of you are familiar with some of the uh, national holidays, so to speak, you know, uh, there's different things that, that we honor from time to time that, that are well known, and there's others that you hear about on the radio sometimes, uh, one of the local sports stations usually will try to mention some of those funny holidays, uh, you know, we celebrate our food, there's like National Pizza Day, you know, those kinds of things, uh, National Popcorn Day, there's even National TV Dinner Day, and National Toasted Marshma Marshmallow Day, so I mean, we're willing to, to honor just about anything and celebrate uh, just about anything. We celebrate our not only our food, but our, our people. There's, of course, Mother's Day and Father's Day. I was thinking about the idea of celebrating. There's even World Sword Swallowers Day that you might want to celebrate if you're interested in that kind of thing. And, of course, we've come to a time of the year, in our year, every year, with a calendar in which we celebrate certain things. It's a time of celebration for our families. We kind of roll right through Thanksgiving into Christmas and spending time together and the giving of gifts. And in case you didn't have it marked on your calendar, from Friday, it'll be two weeks from, from two days ago, two weeks will be National Ugly uh, Christmas Sweater Day, if you're interested in celebrating that. So the point is, we celebrate all kinds of things. And you can you know Google that and find a list of things that are celebrated almost every day uh, in some form or fashion by people who are passionate about any number of things. 
But when we think about the congregation here at Saudi in particular, and of course, really, we think more about ourselves, striving to be Christians here, to work together, to serve God, to be pleasing unto Him, we do celebrate certain things, but there are other things that we don't celebrate. You see, one of the th- ideas that goes along with Christmas, especially this time of year, are places that have you know, big programs or, or big cantatas or songs or these kinds of things, and we don't have that kind of thing here. So the question then sometimes comes up, well, is celebrating something that God wants us to do? Should we celebrate certain things? And I would challenge you this morning to, I think we're going to understand through the course of this lesson that yes, God has always wanted his people to celebrate. We're going to begin this morning by thinking together about some Old Testament celebrations. If you have your Bibles, you can go all the way back. Well, we'll mention, first of all, the book of Genesis, but we're going to be mainly in Exodus and Leviticus this morning. But there were many Old Testament celebrations. So I think we might say that, yes, God wants his people to celebrate. Sometimes celebrations have to do with remembering. You know, we think about the the main things that we hit in our lives, such as birthdays or anniversaries. That's obviously or usually thinking of remembering a particular date. And certainly in the Old Testament, God asked his people to celebrate in that kind of way. Let's talk about a few of those this morning. We might mention, first of all, the Sabbath. We think about the Sabbath. You're going to know many of these names or things that we mention. I wasn't able to actually accumulate a total account of the number of feasts and celebrations that the children of Israel had, but we're going to pick out just a few this morning. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 3, Genesis 2 and verse number 3, it says, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. God sanctified the seventh day and he blessed it. He rested. You know, I don't mean to be irreverent in any kind of way or, or try to make light of God or just make him simply like us, but we can imagine as we understand the concept of putting something together or working hard for a period of time and then resting. He might have truly rested as in physically sat back or, or took it easy in the idea of rest, but we also know that sometimes when we rest from our labors, or again, there's a timeline of working hard on something and we rest, we're also going through this time of remembrance, remembering what we had done, the hard work that we had put in, and yes, on the seventh day, God rested. Hopefully, when we finish a project like that and we get to the end of that timeline, we look back as God did, and we are blessed by what we did. We're, we're thankful for the time we could put in, and we think, just as God said there at that time, that what we did was good. But in Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 8, we actually see the mention of remembering the Sabbath day. Exodus 20 and verse 8, we know, is the giving of the Ten Commandments. And God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You see, the Sabbath was actually a sign in the end. The celebration of the Sabbath was a sign between God and Israel commemorating their deliverance from Egypt, which was made known here in Exodus chapter 20 at Mount Sinai. I don't know if you've ever considered this before, but have you thought about from Ex- or excuse me, Genesis chapter 2 forward to the book of Exodus, there's no mention actually of anyone observing the Sabbath as a religious time period or a religious day. You see, the people lived under the patriarchal dispensation, 
the age of the fathers through which God spoke to the people by the fathers, the patriarchal dispensation. And through that time, we don't actually see it mentioned that they celebrated the Sabbath. It's mentioned that God sanctified it, that he rested from what he had done, but it's not until we get to Exodus chapter 20 that we see that it's a commemoration of them leaving Egypt, being delivered, and it's made known here at Mount Sinai. If you have your Bible, let's look over in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 9 and verses 13 and 14. Nehemiah chapter 9 verses 13 and 14. Here God speaking by the prophet says, You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts statutes and laws by the hand of Moses your servant you see even in Nehemiah we see that it wasn't until Mount Sinai that the Sabbath is established as a celebration and it is a commemoration this remembering of who they had been what they had gone through their deliverance into who they are now as God's people and to remember what he had done for them so they then were going to celebrate in honor of the Sabbath from Exodus chapter 20 and that point is the children of Israel going forward. Let's go a little further. Let's think about the Passover. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 14, as the Exodus is taking place, as we read about the, the death of the firstborn and all of these things, the tenth plague that is, taking, that is going to take place, excuse me, Exodus chapter 12 and verse 14, So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, you shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. God is instituting the Passover here. We know that God delivered the children of Israel from their Egyptian bondage through a series of ten plagues, which ultimately breaks Pharaoh's stubborn heart of rebellion. He would not let Israel go, for he refused to hear God's instruction that came through Moses, the spokesman of God. The tenth and final plague that we read about here in chapter 12, the tenth and final plague brought upon Egypt the death of the firstborn in every household. Not only were human firstborns affected, but as you read that passage there, and obviously we don't have time to go through all of it, the firstborn of all livestock died as well. And of course we know the celebration of this Passover comes from the fact that to prevent the death in the households of Israel, the blood of the sacrificial lamb was to be painted on the lintel and on the doorposts of the houses. God's destroyer passed over the Passover, the houses where the blood marked the presence of the faithful. And we read in Exodus chapter 12, verses 29 and 30. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. The full account of the Passover here is recorded, and it was to be observed annually by the Jews in commemoration of this historic event, remembering who they were, who they had been, and being able to celebrate, yes, celebrate, through the remembrance what God had done. 
Let's talk about a couple others that you may be a little more familiar with. The first is the Feast of Tabernacles. If you have your Bibles, you can look in Leviticus chapter 23. Excuse me, Leviticus chapter 23. The Feast of the Tabernacles was on the 15th day of the seventh month, and it lasted for eight days. Again, in your Bible, you may see it there, Leviticus chapter 23, verse 33 through 36 and it's mentioned the days on which it were to be celebrated this commemorated the wandering in the wilderness you know we humans are very often forgetful even this morning our bible class charles led us here in the auditorium in a great discussion talking about isaiah we began a study on the book and the prophet of isaiah and we talked a lot about the children of israel as they went from the period of being the children of israel under mosaical reign to becoming uh, ruled by judges to the kings to the divided kingdom and we lamented quite often how we look back at the children of israel and we see ourselves we see human ideas and human concept and human ways of behaving. And they needed to be able to remember some of these things. So yes, God had these feasts instituted so that they could look back. And the Feast of Tabernacles was one. As you read about it there and as you look, one thing I'm not going into great detail on, and it's here in this passage in Leviticus 23, is the sacrifices they were supposed to go through, the days they were supposed to, to rest, all of these things that they were told to do. But in this particular case, with the Feast of Tabernacles, it was to commemorate the wandering in the wilderness, to think about that time. And of course, even as this happens to us, to look back to that point and go forward and then never act that way again. We hope sometimes when we get to a point, we look back on our lives and we say, boy, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to practice those things. I don't want to go through those painful situations, that suffering, but yet we do even when we had the remembrance, even as they had with the Feast of Tabernacles. The last one that we'll mention here is the Day of Atonement. And it's mentioned in Leviticus chapter 16. That's actually the whole chapter, verses 1 through 34, is the whole chapter of Leviticus chapter 16. Many of us know the name, the Day of Atonement today by Yom Kippur. You hear that mentioned sometimes in the news and people uh, who will still practice and observe that today. It is often called the highest and the holiest day of the Jewish year. It was celebrated on the 10th day of the seventh month, and it was a day, a solemn day of holy fasting, and it reminded them of their sins and their need for God's forgiveness. As we said, we won't go through the entire chapter, uh, chapter 16 here, Leviticus, where everything is mentioned that they should do, but we know in general they were to offer a bullock, they were to offer a goat, And then they were going to offer what we call, and we still use the term today, the scapegoat. The scapegoat for their sins and to remember their need for God's forgiveness. The Day of Atonement. Once again, something that we can still think about today is we need to remember our sins and our need for God's forgiveness and how great God's forgiveness truly is. But they celebrated the Day of Atonement. Now, all of these that we've mentioned, and we've mentioned just a few, but all of these celebrations in the Old Testament and more, and the others that we read about, they were marked by thanksgiving and joy. Not only that, but they were, they were done in such a way that all the people participated. I challenge you, if you have time in your reading, to go back and read some of these chapters that we briefly mentioned, but you'll see sometimes where the fathers, yes, 
The priests, yes, but the mothers and the children are mentioned as participating in these celebrations. So we suffice it to say that with the short moments that we've spent here already, yes, God does want us to celebrate. He wants us to look back on certain occasions and mark them and celebrate them. Celebrate who he is and what he has done. Celebrate, hopefully, who we have become and how we have changed in our lives. But the Old Testament is certainly full of a God who wanted to celebrate. But as we've talked about in many lessons, and we try to always challenge ourselves here through our sermons and through our Bible classes and things, that's great. I mean, that's wonderful. But what are we supposed to do? And so it would benefit us this morning to think for just a moment about Christian celebrations. You say, you know, we don't live under the mosaical dispensation. We don't live under the patriarchal, uh, patriarchal dispensation. So what are we supposed to do as Christians today? How are we pleasing to God? And of course, I would say, I'm glad you asked because we're going to talk about that for just a moment. Because guess what? Just like we've got the books of the Old Testament and the law that was given to them to know exactly what to do, God has given us the same exact thing. He has told us how to be pleasing to him. I would say that, yes, we still serve a God of heaven who wants us to celebrate. But how do we do that? Well, before we talk about the main celebration, let's look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. We made mention of it already. Yes, we don't live under those dispensations, but why is it that we don't practice those things? Why is it that we don't celebrate that way? Because you hear Yom Kippur, you hear people talk about the Sabbath. I worked for people in my previous job. My employers, before I came here at the steel company, were folks who would celebrate the Sabbath, and they would not do any work. They would not turn on the light switches. They would not do all of those things, and it was very interesting. And I never really had a chance to sit down and talk with anyone in great detail about that, but the question might come up, well, why do they do it, and why do you not do it? What should we be doing? Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14 it's a continuation of the thought that begins in verse 13. We're speaking, of course, about Jesus and his death. But it says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And verses 15 and 16 go further to talk about some of these things in which people are participating in. The food and the drink, the festival, the new moon, or the Sabbaths that some people are celebrating. But notice again verse 14, and I don't know if you mark in your Bible or if you underline, but this is one of those places that you star, put an asterisk, underline, or whatever. Nailed it to the cross. Yes, we are interested and yes, we are thankful that we can go back and look at those Old Testament celebrations. But why is it? that we're not putting an animal up here today on the pulpit and sacrificing it and having the blood sacrifice and doing all these things. Well, it's because of the end of verse number 14 that we see that Jesus, who was the perfect sacrifice, and you can go read in the book of Hebrews about all of that, he gave his life, he shed his blood on that cross, and he took all of those things, the handwriting of requirements, the old law, and he nailed it to the cross. So you see, those things then were, were done away with. Now, were people still celebrating them? Yes, people still did. In fact, as we've been studying the epistles of Paul, and we have on Wednesday night, we looked at the book of Philippians recently, there are a lot of people who are struggling after the time of Jesus' death and going forward into Paul's preaching and missionary journeys where he's having to encourage them with these thoughts and tell them and say to them what Jesus did, who he was, and what he did, and what they are doing now 
because of that. You see, all of the Old, Te- Old Testament celebrations were done away with at the cross as Jesus then began the new covenant. So what is it then? What is the celebration that Christians are to participate in? And we know that we've already done it this morning. And that is, of course, the Lord's Supper. And if you've got your Bible, you can look in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We appreciate Gabe this morning, but all of our men who take time and study for a few moments and lead us in some of our thoughts, who read from the passages of Scripture, whether it be the actual passages in the gospel accounts that talk about the death of Jesus, or whether it be going back and looking at the prophecy or whatever it might be that calls us to think about him and his death. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 beginning in verse 23, really through the end of the chapter is really the section that we'll sometimes focus on. But Paul is writing here, and he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Remember, if you go back and you read those accounts where Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, Paul wasn't there. He wasn't Paul yet, so to speak, but he wasn't there. But he received these words, and you may see them in red in your Bible. That I delivered to you the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, where do we come in? I mean, we're supposed to do it, right? But where do we come in? How do we celebrate Jesus? And in verse 26 it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You see, under the new covenant, God has ordained the Lord's Supper as the way that we celebrate him. And we do it each first day of the week. And each first day of the week as we do it, and Paul goes on from there in verse 27, and we won't take the time to look at all of this today, but beginning in verse 27, he talks about the manner in which we partake of it, that we are to do it in remembrance of him, that we are to do it with the right attitude. And I would challenge you, challenge you to think about that each first day of the week, to think about it ahead of time and also when we are here together. You see, we can make the sermon the biggest part. You know, sometimes the sermon is the longest part. It's where the person does the most talking. And so people talk about the sermon. We don't go home and talk about whether or not our partaking of the Lord's Supper was worthy or whether it was beneficial or what we thought about. But we talk about the sermon. We don't go and we don't talk about uh, what we were thinking about or how we focus on the death of Christ. We go home and we talk about the songs and whether or not the song service was any good. But as we think about celebrating Christ, we do that through our worship to God the Father We do that through our paying attention, through our attitude, through our mindset. But we also, each first day of the week, have an opportunity to celebrate the death of Jesus. To proclaim that death until he comes. And as Paul says there in the rest of the chapter, may we always strive to do so in a worthy manner. Sometimes it's the shortest. I appreciate our men, as I've said, who take time to read and maybe to guide our thoughts a little bit. We appreciate when we take a few moments, maybe, when we try to pause a little bit longer to think about those things. Whether you pull out your Bible and open to one of those passages and read. Whether you pull out your songbook and think about your favorite song that deals with the death of Christ. That is what we are to be focusing on. We are to honor him and to think about his death. That is what makes it possible for us to assemble here together with a similar hope. 
You see, we could all join here together, just like we can all go across the road and sit at the ball field together and watch ball games or go to the gym, or we can do anything together as a group, but it's what brings us together as the people of God, that hope of heaven, celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, thinking about him hanging on that cross, shedding his blood. That is how we are told to celebrate him as Christians. And it's hard because it's easy to make it the most throwaway part of our service. It's just that thing we kind of do. It's that little speed bump in the middle of service to get to the rest before we can get out here and, and go eat and, and have that time together. If we're not careful, that's the way we treat that celebration. But I would challenge you to think about the other celebrations that we go through. The birthdays, the anniversaries, the holidays that we spend together. When we do that, is it something that we put effort into or is it something that we just throw away and we just kind of hit through as we go through the year? Many of us put lots of time and effort into our celebrating here on this earth on things that are okay and there's nothing wrong with getting together and exchanging gifts or, or eating food, but really don't amount to very much when it comes to the grand scheme of things and our eternal resting place where we'll be for all of eternity. We put a lot of effort into those things, but yet that speed bump that we hit in the middle of the service yeah, we'll get through it, and we'll be done, and we'll move on, and then we can go home. You see, the Lord's Supper is the way that God has ordained for us to celebrate today. And yes, we do it every week, as we read about on the pages of the New Testament. Travis and I had this discussion the other night. We stood out in the lobby uh, Wednesday night after our services, and we were admiring our banner out there and how full it has gotten. And Travis said, you know, this, this has been pretty good. You know, most people have enjoyed reading the books of the Bible, signing their name. And I said, well, you know, we could always keep it going. But one thing that happens sometimes with those kinds of things, people say, well, you know, when you do it every year, then it kind of loses its luster. You know, people kind of fall off. So we kind of keep things special. But we have a challenge each week in a similar way that we partake of the Lord's Supper because we're told to. But if we're not careful, it becomes something that we just do every week because everybody else is doing it or because we're here as opposed to taking the time to celebrate exactly what Jesus did in giving his life. So once again, what should we do? We've talked now about the Old Testament celebrations that were great and reminded the people of who they had been and how far they had come and what God had done. By the way, the Lord's Supper, we think about who we had been, where we've come and what God had done, what Jesus had done. But what are we to do now? Because as we talk about celebrating, as we began, we thought about the way that people today celebrate. Well, it also would help us to mention here that with the celebrations that are going on around us, as we look on the pages of the New Testament, which is what we have strived to do this morning, we also notice that we have no biblical authority to celebrate many of these man-made earthly holidays religiously. And that would include many of the things that the world practices, things like Christmas or Easter or several other holidays in which people focus on Jesus or on God for a weekend or for one day or for a month. You know, Matthew chapters 1 and 2, Luke chapters 1 and 2, both give us great details into the birth of Christ, and we are thankful for it. As the preacher, I have done my best to try to make sure and include that from time to time, because the other ditch that we sometimes jump into is we say, well, you know what? The Bible says that, we don't, that Jesus wasn't born on, on December 25th, and we don't celebrate Christmas that way. And so then we jump in the other ditch, and we never talk about it. So we strive to talk about it. I don't know if it was this year or it was last year, but we spent a couple of Sundays thinking about the prophecies and the birth of Christ, his coming. It is great, and you should read those chapters, and we should celebrate that. It is certainly something that we should consider. 
But we also notice that there is no instruction to honor the birth of Christ in a way. I mean, we can be thankful for it because he came, then he was here, and then he died. But there's nowhere in the Bible, on the pages of the New Testament, that we read that we should celebrate the birth of Christ. But we do think about celebrating his death. Now, I would encourage you as we begin to conclude this lesson that that these are some good beginner thoughts on some of these. But I will fully admit, and you know, that as you walk out these doors and we go through the next month or so together, you have friends and people that you know and care about who think differently, who act differently. There are questions that come up, and as always, we would encourage you to ask. Ask questions about anything we've talked about this morning. Let us give you a Bible answer for the things that we've said already and the other discussions that sometimes go along with this. You know, we said a few moments ago, humans can be very forgetful right when it comes to celebrations we men get a hard time sometimes right about not being able to remember birthdays or or anniversaries there is no doubt that we humans can be forgetful and we need to remember as Christians we are thankful hear me plainly as Christians we are thankful for the birth of Christ but we are also commanded to honor his death and to do so weekly as we partake of the Lord's Supper Another way of saying this might be like this. The holiday of Christmas might give us an opportunity to discuss with other people about Jesus. It very well might. As you think about these things and somebody says something to you, it might give you an opportunity to discuss with someone about Jesus Christ, and we can be thankful for that. But since we have no Bible authority to celebrate it religiously, maybe we should worry a little less sometimes about keeping Christ in Christmas, and we need to worry a little more about keeping the Lord and the Lord's Supper and doing so weekly as we assemble here and focusing on that. We need to think about more than just celebrating Jesus once a month or for one month, and we need to think about keeping the Lord as a part of our lives every day. Now, this holiday, the songs that are sung and the things that are said might give you an opportunity to discuss with someone the life of Jesus, and we hope that you would take advantage of that. But let us also recognize exactly what the Bible says about celebrations don't get me wrong I think we serve a God who wants us to remember he wants us to celebrate certain things and we should but we need to also do so in the manners in which he has given us in the way that he has told us to live this morning as we conclude this lesson we'll be singing this song of encouragement to encourage you maybe as we partook the Lord's Supper a little bit earlier you weren't able to or didn't because you're not a child of God You see, you cannot commemorate that death because you've not been obedient to what God has told us to do. His simple plan of salvation by which we are added to the body, to the church, to the family. If you're here this morning and you've not done that, why not? Allow us to be singing in just a moment to encourage you that through the words of the song that's been selected, through one of our elders coming to the front so that they might receive you and hear what you have to say and pray for you and with you, we're thankful for that opportunity to study with you further to help you become a Christian even this day, being baptized for the remission of your sins with the blood of Christ so that the Lord can add you to his church. Maybe you're here in times past, you've done that, but you've wandered away. Maybe it's something here in this life. Maybe it's something that's happened to you. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's the struggles of this life that get you down, but you realize that you have not remained faithful as the slide talks about here. You need to confess your sin, repent of that, and pray for forgiveness. Once again, we're thankful for our elders who are here. We're thankful for this congregation, this family that would love to pray with you and for you to encourage you to become a Christian or come back to him even now as we stand together and as we sing.